0: But science is not just how savvy you are. You must also be very interested and want to look into it, right?
1: Like the geeks, right? Yeah,
0: you know, because science, we're also busy, right? We have our life to lead, we have our work to do, and all that. Uh, how much time can you dedicate to do this kind of research and then review your plans, you know,
1: look into this, look into that? But isn't that the very premise or like the selling point of robots, if you think about it, like, you know, don't worry, we mm. automate your investing, leave it to us. You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junas Yu. Hi guys and welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast. So our topic today is about a deeper look into robos. Are they right for everyone? And today we have Evelyn Goh, the very radiant Evelyn Goh, Deputy CEO and Chief Advisory Officer of Provident, the first fee-only wealth advisory firm in Singapore. Welcome Evelyn, thank you so much for coming here on a very hot day. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you so much, Jonas. Thank you for having me. What is your personal experience with Robos?
0: Well, I think if you think about Robos, right, I mean the Robos in Singapore, in effect, they are really a transaction platform uh, for the execution of uh, investments. They don't provide like uh, comprehensive uh, wealth advice. And in terms of the business model, they are really looking into uh, volume. They need volume, okay. Um, that's really because of uh, the lower uh, cost uh, that they charge, but yet they incur high marketing cost because they need to kind of like raise awareness for their brands and attract customers. And we've so, seen that at the yeah, ads on the MRT. That's right. You know. So in terms of like uh, the kind of clients or the kind of customers that may be more suited for robots, we would say you should be people who are more investment savvy. You know, you know exactly what you want. You are prepared to do some homework. You know, like. Uh, studying into the funds that you intend to buy into, yeah, and obviously you don't need uh, holistic or comprehensive uh, wealth advice. And because of the business model that we talk about, right, of the robots that they need scale, most likely they'll target the mass uh, market.
1: So we'll go into you know like studying into the various you know asset classes that they invest. In later, But then I think let's dive straight into it because I think there's a lot to unpack here and there's been quite a few discussions on, you know, robos on the various personal finance forums in Singapore. And also especially given the current market conditions in the first half of 2022 and what, what you know, we have seen robo portfolios do. But, you know, for the audience, I'm sure most of us have heard of robos and are already familiar with the names in Singapore, for example, like with the likes of Endowas, that's the way... Um, auto wealth and which are the names? I mean, they were smartly, but then they're not operating anymore. Crystal AI, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. And for the most part, they market themselves as you know tech led companies that develop algorithms to automate investing. So, from the user's perspective, right? You know, the average user, you know, how we think about robots is you know, it's, it's very convenient because we plug in our details like our age, you know, what our current uh, our savings and investment goals, what is the what's our risk appetite and then we sort of let this quote-unquote algorithm select and manage that investment portfolio for you. So first of all, would you agree with the definition that robos today in Singapore are developing algos that automate investing? Or is there a part to this that is still actively managed by humans?
0: Well, I think if uh, first of all, we think about what is algorithm-based kind of our investing, it's really a set of uh, rules that you kind of program into a computer software that automates the provision of uh, digital financial advice, perhaps being able to kind of uh, de-risk the user's portfolios as they are nearer to their goals uh, without the intervention of human beings. If we base on this definition, I think the robots here are not really algo-based. What they have done is they have like um, curated portfolios uh, by their investment team, I, I reckon. And after the user answers some questions, they will kind of match uh, the user to this portfolio that is like going to make up of some funds and ETFs. And yes, most of the, the robots here are able to do automatic rebalancing. But if you need to make like changes to the portfolios, that would need to have uh, human intervention. So what they have achieved, uh, however, is really more the execution side of things, like the account opening, the transfer of monies, the uh, execution of trades. That one, they have managed to do it in a very seamless and efficient manner.
1: Yep and I guess also the, the UI part mm, of it yes right? easy because to use right easy yeah. to use easy to understand that's even right even for like you know for customers that are choosing between robos you know mm. there's often discussions of you know how the, the, you know, what the UI US is like and because, it's not right. just for robos it's also for you know the trading apps so like Moomoo mm. Um, mm. Tiger you know they, or they, there's this additional gamification as expect you know yeah, make, it make it more right? fun and interesting right because I'm sure internally at least for these um, you know trading apps you know one of their KPIs is time spent an app. Yep. So they kind of like make it very interactive like okay if you read like x number of news articles on our app so you're going to give you like x number of points and then you can redeem your points for some like cushion or whatever. It is.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: So you know, I think like the let's say the millennial investor or like millennials and gen hmm. z which I believe a lot of robots like this is a market segment that they're going after you know they're kind of like responding to the market needs and saying you know there needs to be that fun element to their app and then something that is very easy for them to look at yeah
0: I have a teenage girl so yeah totally understand
1: (laughs) (laughs) so to put it simply what kind of person do you think Robos would be great for and what kind of person just should not use Robos I know we talked about it earlier but you know can can you expound on this so if you look at um, people who will
0: be more suited for for Robos it would be definitely those who uh, they don't need much help, you know, they know what they want, they are prepared to do homework, you know, they are, I would say, investment savvy, you know, and because they don't need uh, comprehensive advice, the lower cost structure offered by the Robo will definitely... Appeal to them because lower cost means better returns, right? But on the other hand, if you're a person who actually does need a human being to guide you, right, to go and uh, find out about oh, what's your, uh, what's important to you, what's your uh, goals, what are your concerns, look into uh, beyond investments, into protection, into estate planning, then you really need a human being to come in to guide you. And because we know that financial planning is not like just one stage; it's actually a lifelong thing. You know, sometimes in life things change, right? Life show elements. Yeah. And that's where you would like to, you appreciate the human being coming in to check in, to sit down, have a lifelong conversation, uh, find out whether, you know, whatever that uh, has uh, the changes, whether you need to make kind of like any adjustments to the plan. Then I think a human advisor will be more suitable, and then this part about assessment of risk, is actually not that straightforward because we all come in in all shapes and sizes, right? I mean, we have different needs, we have different phase of life, you know, we have different experience with investments. So, I mean, even our course of work, right? I've come across uh, clients where they may come in and they think that, oh, I'm very aggressive. I think I can, I'm very willing to take high risk. I want to go for aggressive portfolio. You know, but after assessing their needs, you know, going through their financial situation and all that, we find out that actually they really can't afford to take high risk. And actually, given their resources and their goals, they don't have to right then in this case we have to sit down talk to them and come to a a place of understanding that you know moderate risk portfolio is actually more suitable for him and actually this uh, lower risk moderate risk kind of portfolio is something that he will be more comfortable with you know and with that then there's higher chance that he'll stay invested and thereby get the returns that he needs right so at Provident there's really three aspects that we look at to assess a person's overall risk profile the first one one is uh, their need to take risks. So that one is really, what is your need for return? How much return do you need? And to do that, you need to do calculations. Yeah, you need to kind of calculate like, okay, what is the goal that I have? What is my current uh, resources? Do I have uh, more resources that I can put in to achieve this goal? You know, with the robot, it's a bit harder. You know, there's no human to kind of guide the user in uh, their questions and all that. Okay, then the second part is uh, the ability to take risks. Now, most robots, they will ask, You know, what is the time frame, right? That you're prepared to invest this money. But really, there are actually more to this than just time frame, right? Uh, There are things like how is their financial health, right? How is their physical health? How well insured uh, are they? You know, all this actually does affect uh, their ability to take risks. And then last but not least, your willingness to take risks. I think it goes beyond just a few questions to assess, you know, there is actually a lot more to that because some of us, we maybe we know more about investments or some of us may have bad experience with investment and it affects, you know, how we think about investments. We may have certain life events that has happened whether in a childhood or in our growing up years, you know, and, and all this does affect, you know, our value towards money, how we look at money, how we look at investing. The so psychology towards investing.
1: Exactly. Is often not talked about, but, you know, there's a lot of emotions that, people kind of have when they invest and that is not often talked about. But I also wanted to say just going back a little bit, these robots they never claim to be that kind of like a wealth advisor. They're only saying they make investing easy for you. But then like what you said, often when we think about investing, it also ties into, you know, how the risk profile and Our own perception of what our risk profile is might not necessarily be the right one because it also goes into, you know, what are your financial obligations? How well are you protected? How many dependents you have, right? Exactly, yes. So so if it's somebody who is, you know, from a personality perspective, like very garrang, like, oh, you know, I'm I'm very on, you know, I'm very alpha male. I (laughs) I want to like be very high risk. You know, if I say low risk investments, you know, I don't come across as like, Alpha male as I want to be, yeah. But let's say this: the same person has two elderly parents of his own, two elderly parents on his wife's side, four children. Then you know, then should he be so, so aggressive? Right? I, exactly, and and. And I guess that is what may not be picked up by robots currently. Is that right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And some of these things, you do need the human uh, advisor to be there to sense. Because sometimes it's not just what you say. Mm. It's the emotions that you emit,
1: right? Reading facial expressions. That's right.
0: Body language and all that. I mean, that kind of thing a robo cannot pick up, right? Because robots have no emotions Mm. in that sense. And just now you mentioned about, uh, you know, this year being a difficult market environment. And it's not easy, right, emotionally, when you look at uh, your monies that you invested in losing in value. Yeah, and we all know that when emotions come into play, we can make bad financial
1: or investment decisions. Yes, because right now, I guess, be it, you know, either through robots or any any other kinds of, you know, instruments that you're using, you know, a lot of people feel very tempted to withdraw. Exactly. But whereas I guess the advice would be to, stay the course and if you're invested in the uh, right things, lah. La. Yeah, yes. Correct. And 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 in some cases people have enough capital to even double down or, you know, like that's right. Continue that's right. investing as the price goes down. But like you said, it's difficult. I think it's a difficult time. And based off the, you know, reported returns, I think Sealy actually kind of made, did a comparison, right, in July twenty twenty two. What do you think of the further market segmentation, i.e. like would a certain profile investor gravitate towards, you know, one robo versus another one? Because if we think about customer loyalty and there's withdrawals, I'm not sure if there's much customer loyalty when it comes to robos because it's very easy to... Withdraw. Yeah, it's very
0: easy. To exit, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's getting to be a very, very crowded space. So I think initially, the branding of the robo, the cost structure, you know, the suite of products will probably be what uh, will attract uh, people to certain robos. But because most investors, they do not have like an investment philosophy that they are very, very convicted in. uh, After a while, they will gravitate towards, oh, how's the returns like? You know, they will look at all this kind of reports lah. you know the returns between robos and all that so i would say if you're you know for robos that are more proactive in reaching out to clients to educate them you know and all that may stand a higher chance of retaining their customers
1: for users right how many of them because like you said the perfect user for a robo with somebody who already knows you know like what kind of underlying funds they already want to purchase would you think this would be the majority of the current set of robo-users today? I don't think so. I think most people will just kind of like look at the returns. Yeah, the
0: returns. You look at, okay, Uh, whether I want cash, whether I'm a conservative. You know, they just go into it. They may not scrutinize what's underlying, exactly what kind of funds they're buying into and all that. Yeah, so most people when they think about investment, they just think about returns. Like
1: they it, don't think they about risk or other returns. things. Exactly. So the conversation would be like a friend telling me, hey, I just opened an account with this robo, like, like, like not bad. And then it's like not bad. And then it's like Higher than the other one. Mm. So I think you should open the decision process. <laughs> yeah, or I want high returns, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Got it. So let's take a case study, right? Or example, because, like, for example, like recently marketed product, cash management portfolio that projects, uh, that earns a projected return rate of 2.7 to 3.2% per annum. And then the next step. So let's say I'm a user and then I'll be like, okay, interesting, 3.2%. Sounds quite high, huh? For <laughs> cash. <laughs> Like, okay, then the next step would be, okay, you know, my good friend Evelyn told me to look at the underlying funds. So in this case, it says here, 20% allocated to Lion Global SGD Enhanced Liquidity Fund, 35% Nico A.M. Shenton Short-Term Bond Fund and 45% Lion Global Short-Duration Bond Fund. So for me as a user... Let's say that I have no knowledge whatsoever. I look at these three underlying funds. What should I be considering as somebody who's just looking at a set of information?
0: Look beyond the marketing name. There is a cash plus fund. <laughs> you really need to kind of like a study into the fund. You know, what do they invest in? So in this case, right, out of that three funds, the Nicole Shenton short-term bond fund, the Lion Global short-duration bond fund, these two are bond funds. They are not cash funds. And bonds, there is this potential of losing your capital, right, when interest rates rise. And that's what we saw this year. So case in point, as of uh, 14 July 2022, the one-year return of uh, the Nicole Shenton short-term fund is a negative 2%. The Lion Global short-duration bond fund is a negative 4%. I think most people, when they buy into cash portfolios, they will not expect negative Return. In that sense, it can be kind of like a shocker, right? I mean, it's like you invest, you think that, oh, it's just up. Lah. It's like because the idea is like it's like an FD kind of thing. I'll get, it doesn't matter how, how much interest I get. But you would not think that you can lose your capital. So it can be actually very distressing in that sense.
1: So for a user like where, let's say, where would they go to go and look for this kind of information? Totally, totally new investor, lah, you know? So, like, do I go and Google Nico? Do I go and Google Lion Global? Actually, you can. It's actually very easy. Yeah, it's very easy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You Google, you go, and almost you know, times
0: you'll be directed like fund Supermart kind of website. Then you see, then you see the past one year return and all that kind of thing. You read, and then they'll tell you whether it's a bond fund, where's the equity, where is it invested, how many bonds, so on and so forth. Yeah. So, th- actually, there are information.
1: Yes. Yeah. Whether or not you go and look for it. Yes. But the thing of like, uh, you know, for these funds, again, what, what kind of of for example what kind of sectors they're invested in, which geographies they're invested in. Again, for somebody who doesn't have knowledge, like so you know, I'll be like, oh, it's invested into Indonesian consumer versus uh <laughs> US tech I mean okay like a lot of people maybe gravitate to it. it's like US tech because it's something that you know they live and breathe you know they clearly they watch Netflix you know they like you know I'm a user so I should own the yeah, stuff I use well. Apple phone yeah I use Apple phone I watch Netflix you know I use Google <laughs> yeah. everyday you know it's very easy to, to relate but then if they don't have a view on what themes that they want to invest in what geographies what industries then how you know they're they just reading like oh, okay it's invested in Japanese this, this that I it's invested in like American this that.
0: Then they don't fall into the category of how we <laughs> define whether they are investment savvy, they know exactly what they want, then uh, perhaps
1: they should go and seek out a uh, human advisor to guide them. Interesting. So I know that there isn't an officially publicised uh, percentage, but what percentage of the population would be people who can look at funds and actually make a decision on you know okay this is fun fund I want to buy and like, this is this is how I right size my bet on you know my bet this is how I how much I'm allocating to this sector and this geography because it is a full-time job I mean when I first started my career I was an equity analyst and it is a, it's not just a full-time job of one person it's the entire teams that actually you know a few people can take one team and then somebody else's takes one another sector and then like everybody comes together and then like the VP would then think about, you know, how do you size these bets? Mm. And each family office has a different investment philosophy and they have a different time horizon. Mm. Exactly. so it's uh, like you said I, I I don't have the
0: stats but I think from you know some of this uh, uh, research that you from time to time they 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 kind of publish right if I remember correctly it's definitely lesser than 20%, 20 percent 20 30 percent who are savvy but science is not just how savvy you are you must also be very interested and want to look into it right yeah. like the geeks right yeah you know because science we're also busy right we have our life to lead we have our work to do and all that uh, how much time can you
1: dedicate to do kind of research and then review your plans, you know, look into this, look into that. But isn't that the very premise or like the selling point of robots if you think about it like, you know, don't worry. Mm. You automate your investing. Leave it to us.
0: Well, I guess I think I've seen like some robots in u s, right? They have a lot of like education, a lot of education. They collect a lot of data points about you, you know, your face and life, you know, your dependence, you know, your a lot more of your resources, your assets your liabilities, your cash flow needs, and all that kind of thing. That kind of robot perhaps might be able to do a better job, right in assessing. But if today we're just talking about really more an investment kind of a transaction platform, then Really? You want to use it, you better be someone that is very investment savvy. Mm. Yeah. But if you need something beyond that and we all understand that our monies are not just investment, you know. It's actually, it encompasses more than that. that like Just like what we have spoken about, right?
1: Yes, it's a subset of our total, you know...
0: Who we are. Yeah. yeah what's important to us. So on and so forth, right?
1: Yes. So... Apart from longevity and kind of like forming an opinion on which of the players would sort of like last the longest of the market, you know, based on, you know, funding raise and AUM, what other things should users look out for when assessing, I guess, both robots and also Wealth Managers?
0: Well, I think, you know, if you think about it, Wealth Management is so important, you know, and it spans through so many phases of our lives. In fact, it's throughout our whole lifetime. So I think it's really important that you go and find out What's the philosophy of the firm? Whether they are robos or whether they are wealth management firm, right? You really want to go and find out what is their, uh, you know, what do they believe in? Why do they do what they do? You know, what's the, uh, uh, how are they paid? What's the compensation model? You know, what's their investment uh, philosophy? And does what they do show their conviction of uh, their that philosophy, right? It's not unlike a courting relationship, yeah? You want to find a fit. In values, in your beliefs, you know, and you want to be very comfortable with what you find out about the firm. Yes. Right? Because
1: due diligence. Yeah, exactly. Due
0: diligence, right? Because this is wealth management, this is investments, you know,
1: it's it's going to affect uh, your life in that sense. Yeah, yeah, but uh, unlike courtship, I guess unless people are very into the whole like swinging scene, right? Because because for robos and well managers, you can like use one. You can use several robos, and, mm. and and I think that's a good example of skin in the game, right? You literally let's say you have hundred dollars to invest and then you kind of say okay these are the three players that I want to put money in I'm just going to test all of it out and then you kind of apportion your money equally and then you test it whereas for relationships it's kind of different Uh, well I think there are people who date a few (laughs) people (laughs) at the same time as well but yeah I mean like you know robots for robots, I think people still can sort of like test things out
0: yeah but you still should read up find out more read reviews you know, of uh, users' uh, past experience and all that, what they have to say about it. Instead of just kind of like, because my friends say this is very good, I jump in. (laughs) You know, so I think still need to do a bit of homework.
1: So the underlying takeaway is basically, you know your own stuff, know what you're investing into. And because like you said at the start, of this is like the ideal user for a robot is actually somebody who already knows what they want to buy and are just using it as a transaction platform, as opposed to somebody who is saying, "I have X amount. Tell me what I should put money in,
0: or what should I be thinking about? You know, what are some of the concerns that you know I need to be mindful of?
1: Yeah, like the the bigger thing you said is not just about how you perceive your own risk profile to be, but you know, what are your financial obligations? What's your time frame? What are your goals? I'm sure it's a lot more nuanced than that.
0: Yep, because human beings are actually complex creatures.
1: So I think that was really good. That was really good learning. Thank you for kind of like doing that little study into that little case study that we did. You're most welcome. For listeners who would like to find out more about, you know, what you do at Provident, what, you know, where can they go to find you?
0: Well, we are at uh, this very nice place called 38 Duxton Hill. Of course, uh, please visit us at our website at as in com. Mm. And there's a newsletter, right, that, that I guess Chris puts out. Yes, lots of it. So that that's where they can subscribe to newsletter via, via our website. Thank you so much, Evelyn, for
1: being you, on. Janice. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcast at listen.sg or at my Instagram at misfitfi.com. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from Mediacorp and recorded at Skate Live Studios The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junas Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junas Yu. Until the next time.